Welcome to Our Kids, Our Schools, your compass in the world of local education hosted by Alexis Morgan, an experienced guide and advocate. This space offers insights designed to serve parents, teachers, administrators, school board members, and community stakeholders. Every episode is designed to equip you with the knowledge and tools to be an active participant. This podcast isn't just a dialogue. It's a movement, a movement that encourages collaboration to foster a thriving school community because together we can, we will make a difference. Hey friends, welcome. It's great to have you here on the Our Kids, Our Schools podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about types of schools. And the reason this is timely relates to the fact that there's open enrollment right now in the different types of schools that are offered for our kiddos. And so you having the type of information that you need as a parent to be able to make informed decisions is one of the things that I, that's like one of my main things I care about is making sure that you have the information to make informed decisions. And before we, before I get into that um, and share that type of information with you, I am just kind of coming off a conversation with a teacher this morning. I had a meeting with a teacher at a high school with the vice principal was there. Apparently I actually learned this this morning that it is school policy to have a vice principal there, which I think it's great. And I also had my student there. We were having a conversation and I'm not quite ready to share about that. It's nothing wrong, but I'm just still kind of decompressing and processing that experience. But one of the things that I think was my biggest takeaway from that experience was that it's this idea about assumptions. And this actually feels very connected to what we're going to talk about today. Because as parents, as educators, school administrators, and as community members, if we want to create the kind of spaces that students feel comfortable coming to us and talking and addressing issues, well, those spaces don't just happen on their own. We have to be intentional about creating those types of environments. It makes it takes intentional choices to be able to foster that kind of an environment. And what happens sometimes when we have our classrooms and teachers in there are that the assumption is made that students know how to express issues over concerns. They know how to, you know, ask questions or they feel coming comfortable coming to us when just different things come up. And the fact is that's not always true. And one of the things that I expressed today during this meeting was that, hey, yeah, I have a couple of kids who would feel very comfortable going and talking to a teacher when an issue came up, like, hey, I need to retake this test, or I didn't understand this thing, or this was really confusing to me, or this hard thing happened in class, and I wanted to talk to you about it. Not all students are like that. And if we as adults make the assumption that kids are going to come talk to us when issues arise, well, that's an unfortunate assumption to make. And so that idea is also true when we're talking about school options, because there are choices for a reason. And if we as adults, again, like if I make the assumption that all of my kids need the same type of school experience or like the same type of school environment or school choices, well, that's an unfortunate assumption. When in reality, it's 
so much more productive to bring those kids to the table, to bring the teenagers to the table and have a conversation about what type of school environment they maybe are most looking for. They might want a smaller classroom experience. They might want to really focus in on a certain area of study. They might not fit with the mainstream and maybe they need an alternative option, or maybe they want to be at a school that has all of the different pieces where they've got lots of sports and music and a variety of classes. And so being able to have those conversations to figure out what it is our students need is really important. So today I'm going to talk about the types of school offerings. And again, this is because we it's open enrollment time and we need to make sure as adults that we have all of the information that we need to make an informed decision. So here in Idaho, if you go to the governor's page, Governor Brad Little, he says that Idaho is the third in the nation for education freedom. And those measures include spending, school choice, transparency, and regulations. All of those concepts are key factors in determining that Idaho indeed gets to be ranked third in nation for education freedom. And yes, here in Idaho, we do love our our freedom. So I, I think there is value in noting that, hey, we as parents, as families, we get those options to choose. And also as educators, because educators also want to have different types of experiences. These are their careers. And some educators want to, to teach in certain environments, in certain types of schools. And so it's great that we have these options. Now it's noted, and I've seen different, a couple of different, uh, what do you call it when you quote someone? I guess we just quote, right? So I've seen a few different quotes from uh, different education leaders that say that Idaho has nine different school types. And when in reality, when you look into that, it's actually seven. There's really seven school types with two different ways of kind of two more maybe environments, not necessarily school types. So this is, it, from my perspective, it's a bit of a stretch to say that there are nine different options. I think it's just to note that, hey, there's a lot of choices. And a lot of these choices are in lots of states around the nation. So this isn't just for Idaho. This is just an understanding when you hear people talk about this type of school or a magnet school or a charter school. I want to make sure you know what they're talking about because it is a language. It's a, it's a, it's a way of learning how to speak. And when we learn, when we learn the language, then we can, um, it's just easier to be a part of that community. And it is true to say that, gosh, you know, so many different types of professions have that, have that language. And so, so often, yeah, it's about learning the language so that we can navigate the landscape. And that's, that's what we want to do here. Okay. So we're going to start with the traditional school and here in Idaho, there are 117. Now I'm like doubting that number, but <laughs> around 117 school districts. And that accounts for 
87% of Idaho students are enrolled in what we refer to as traditional schools. A traditional school is generally going to be your neighborhood school. And this is, these are, these traditional schools, this is where you see your elementary, middle school, and high school. This is, and some of these schools around Idaho, we have, gosh, some schools around Idaho have a one building kind of class one one bedroom uh, one bedroom one building uh, classroom kind of experience just because there we have some of our rural communities. So this traditional school building looks very different, but basically the model in our traditional school setting are that there is this is an open enrollment experience, and so anywhere that you move in the state of Idaho and you want to enroll your kid in the school, in your local school district, this is going to be your traditional school. And just this year in 2023, Idaho lawmakers made it really easy for parents, families, guardians to be able to choose where they wanted their kid to go because they created an open enrollment law. And there were a few changes to the open enrollment law. And one of the most important is that, okay, first of all, let me tell you what open enrollment is. Open enrollment is when you're in one district and let's say you actually really want to go to the other district, your neighboring district. You can do that. You can apply. apply. It's called open enrollment to enroll your student in the neighboring district. So the thing to note, though, is that, and this was the change, that usually, well, previously in law, they made it so that you would have to apply every year for that open enrollment. I actually knew a family in an area that they technically live just right outside the school district boundaries, but she really wanted her students to go to this elementary school. That's where my kids were going. And she, I didn't even realize she lived out of the district, but she, and she had just always open enrolled, but she was worried that her students might not be able to have a spot the next year. There was always that fear and she'd probably been there for four or five years. So she actually made the choice to go to a private school because then she knew that her students would have enrollment every year. But because of this new law, that experience would change for her. So this new law says that if you have, if your student has been going to a district for two years, then you don't have to keep applying that you get in. So that's a change to this traditional model. And, but when you do that, what is important to know that when you do that, transportation is generally not provided for you when you open enroll. And then the other component about traditional schools is that every student who is enrolled at a traditional school has access to the Advanced Opportunities Program. And that's on a previous podcast if you're interested in listening to that. But the concept, the general concept is that each student in Idaho gets $4,125 to spend towards advancing their academic and uh, career their academic career and their uh, professional career in terms of taking classes to further where they would like to go. So that is our traditional public school. Again, 87% of Idaho students are enrolled in traditional public schools. The next option for 
at, uh, for families is a charter school. And as of 2023, about 9% of Idaho students were enrolled in charter schools. And charter schools are free for students, but generally there is... Um, they're restricted by lottery because the enrollment is restricted because there's only so many spots in a school. And so they'll have a lottery. You put your student's name on a list and then it's just kind of the luck of the draw if they get into that school or not. And charter schools are distinguished for a few different components. One, they are allowed some extra freedom to innovate with curriculum and learning methods. So when my oldest was in kindergarten, I enrolled him him in a charter school. Uh, we were living in Oregon at the time, and I'd heard great things about this charter school. So, And the curriculum was based on research out of the University of Oregon. And I really liked the way that they did their learning there. And I felt like it was such a great environment for him, which really points to the fact that it's so important, again, to have those conversations with our kids about what type of learning environment is best for them. And it wasn't like I was having this conversation with my five-year-old at the time as a parent. These were observations that I made. But as our kids get older and they go into those middle school and high school years, they definitely have opinions about what's going to work for them. So we want to make sure that we're having those conversations. The charter schools are held accountable to their authorizing entity. So there are a couple of different uh, authorizing entities. One, there's the public, there's the Idaho Public Charter School Commission. They can can, this is why it's called a charter. Um, individuals apply for a charter to be able to start a school. And that charter then allows those individuals to create a school. And that charter school then is accountable to whomever, whatever entity gave them their charter. And charter schools are public. They are required to meet certain standards. And so the Idaho Public Charter Commission is a chartering entity that when I was looking at the list, it, it appeared that most charter schools are getting their charter from this entity. But charter schools can also receive a charter from their local school district. So this is something I have shared this a lot. My kids go to West Ada. It's the largest school district in Idaho. And this is something that I've actually heard in my community. They say, well, the it's like called the Meridian Medical Arts Charter School. They say that's a West Ada school. And I say, no, it's not. West Ada does not have a charter school, but West Ada chartered. Meridian Medical Arts Charter School. So meaning that Meridian Medical Arts Charter School got their charter from West Ada School District. So from the school board. And so that Meridian Medical Arts Charter, I'm pretty sure that's the name. I could be mixing up some of those words, but um, they received their charter from the West Ada School Board. So they are, they are held accountable by the West Ada School Board but they are not a part of the West Ada School District. So that's a really important distinction to make. And charter schools are not a 
they are not within the bounds of the traditional public school. But charter schools are public and they do not, um, but they do not have the ability to levy taxes. There oftentimes is no transportation depending on the amount of funds that they have. There is a charter school here in the West Ada area that does provide transportation, but often they don't. And these charter schools also have their own school boards. And the Idaho School Boards Association, which is the association that all school boards, they're they are members of. The charter schools also have membership in this association because Idaho recognizes that charter schools are a really important choice for parents. We want to make sure those school board members are educated and, you know, receiving that professional development so that those students can succeed as well. And just in terms of some, inf uh, like a couple pieces of information, Idaho passed legislation in 1996 allowing for charter schools. And today Idaho has more than 50 brick and mortar charter schools and virtual schools. And each charter school has a specific school purpose and what community needs it serves. For example, there are language immersion programs or rigorous literacy-based programs. There is an example of Elevate Academy in Idaho Falls offers career tech education for at-risk students. So charter schools also have like a different mission and that purpose and they, they work to fulfill that. And they are often a great they're a great option for students. And these students, because they're also in a public school, therefore they have access to the Advanced Opportunities Program. And so they can access that money and use it for their school uh, career, which I think is really valuable. So those are one and two. Then we have our third option, and these are called public magnet schools. And I almost feel like magnet is a term that we don't hear very much. And But these are schools, they're known as schools of choice. And magnet schools and schools of choice are types of schools within a traditional public school. And so these are schools who they are free public and secondary schools that are operated by a school district. And they often have a specific theme, a curriculum, or an instruction method. So for example, you'll see uh, maybe the the theme will be engineering or performing arts, humanities, maybe science, technology, and math, and focusing on that STEM. There also instructional methods may be dual immersion language or specific curriculum. So for example, the West Ada School District has the Renaissance High School. This would be considered a magnet school, and they have the International Baccalaureate Program there. And so there's several magnet schools within West Ada, and they're Idaho has more than 20 magnet schools or schools with magnet programs within their district. And it's important to note that a magnet school is operated within a school district. Therefore, they are overseen by the school board. So the easiest way to note this is that I'll just take West Ada, for example. So West Ada has several different magnet schools. One is Christine Donnell Elementary. One is the Renaissance High School. So these high schools are 
choices for parents and we've received lots of emails about them. And so you can, parents can apply for these schools for their kids. Sometimes you have to audition. Sometimes there's certain requirements that you have to meet for this. And so these schools then are operated within the school district and the school board governs these schools and these schools have to be held accountable for standards to meet and they are accountable to that school board. And these schools then because of that have um, they get access to levies and bonds within that traditional public school because they do reside within that tr- uh, public school, that traditional public school setting. Again, the enrollment is limited because they only have so many seats and students have to apply for admission. And the current locations of magnet schools, just to note, are in Boise, Meridian, Eagle, Haley, Idaho Falls, Nampa, Ammon, and Coeur d'Alene. So those are our public magnet schools. Next, we have private schools. And these are not public schools that charge tuition. And I saw two different percentages. So that one website said 4.5% and another website said 6%. So let's round it to five. About 5% of Idaho students are enrolled in private schools. Um, And that's a little bit lower than the national average. National average is 10%. These private schools offer curriculum, smaller class size, and often they are faith-based institutions. And they offer a wide range of classes. And there are more than there are more than 150 private schools across Idaho. Now, there is no state-run scholarship options in Idaho, uh, but private schools do offer scholarships. Th- th- those might be available. But what's important to note is that a couple of years ago, the federal government allowed parents to save money for their K-12 private school tuition by using the tax-preferred 529 savings accounts. So a 529 savings account is great. If you don't have one, I definitely encourage you to go open one. It's an account that you can use for your students. We've got them for our kids when they go off to college, and you can uh, put money in there pre-tax. Or maybe it's... No, now I can't remember. Gosh, there's a lot of things to keep track of. Um, we put money in there. It's post-tax, but the then it's an account that is tax deductible. And so, and it grows, that money grows over time. And then that money is not taxed once it's in there. And you can pull that money out for your kids when they go off to college, which is great. And we can, we watch those savings plans grow. Our kids contribute to their own And the federal government made it so that parents who use private school now have the option to use up to $10,000 in annual tax-free 529 plan withdrawals to cover elementary and high school costs. So that's a way that the federal government is helping families with private schools. It's important. It's like, so the average tuition in Idaho for a private school is $8,847. So roughly $8,800. And the average tuition for high school is about $8,700. So it costs about $100 more to go to an elementary school than a high school. I thought that was interesting to note. The top ranked private school in Idaho includes... Riverstone International School, 
Coal Valley Christian High School and the Acton Academy Twin Falls School. The average acceptance rate for private schools in Idaho is 89%. And minority enrollment is 15% in Idaho. And the student-teacher ratio is 13 to 1. So they do have significantly smaller classroom sizes. And 64% of private schools have a religious affiliation in Idaho, either Christian or Catholic. So those are the first four options. We've got traditional public. We have Oh my gosh, my my mind just blanked. I got to look at this. Charter schools. We have traditional public schools, charter schools. You have magnet schools. You have private schools. And we have virtual online learning. And Idaho offers several full-time free online learning options for students. And these include Inspire Connections Academy, Idaho Virtual Academy, and the College Prep-focused GEM Prep Academy. There are also part-time options for students, and one of those part-time options is the Idaho Digital Learning Alliance, IDLA. And IDLA actually is the online option that allows parents, uh, or excuse me, allows students to access their advanced opportunity dollars. Again, there's this, I have a previous episode that really talks about this, but that is a place to go. The IDLA is a, it's a place you can just, students could just do school part-time online learning there. So then there are 10 Idaho school districts that have their own online school programs. And those 10 districts are Boise, Lakeland, Madison, West Ada, Nampa, Idaho Falls, Kaja County Joint, Snake River, Blackfoot, Hagerman, and Bear Lake. And I think that that's important to note. I know that during COVID, a lot of families were choosing that virtual option. And once COVID was over, I've done some different reading and it notes that a lot of families actually wanted to go back to that public school setting because they were happy with their kids' experience and the experience that they were having. But then I think some other students really realized that the online option was a great option for them, and they learned that through experience. And so it's great that they have that opportunity. The next option is the homeschool option, and it's a it's an option to note. I think sometimes people forget like, oh yeah, homeschool is an option. And Idaho has very friendly homeschooling laws for families. And it's a customizable option for families and kids. And if you choose this option, you are required to teach subjects commonly taught in Idaho public schools, but specific standardized tests are not required. And students are eligible to take classes at a public school and participate in sports through uh, some enrollment programs. So at my kids' high school, there's actually several students who are homeschooled and they come in for music classes. And so I think that's really valuable to note that, hey, you can do your homeschool options and you can also access that those traditional public schools to get in some of those maybe enrichment opportunities that you want your kiddos to have. And also you can participate, they can participate in sports too through those enrollment programs. 
And then the last, I would say the seventh main option are alternative schools. A lot of high schools around the state have alternative schools. And these are non-traditional public schools that are designated for at-risk students. And these at-risk students could need some credit recovery. They could have a hard situation in life, such as a pregnancy as a teenager, or maybe they had to, they might have missed some school because they were expelled for a period of time. This was something that I saw as a school board member, when we had to have those tough conversations in our executive session and when we had to expel a student, which I'm going to tell you was like one of, it might've been the hardest thing I ever did as a school board member was sit there with other school board members and determine that that was going, it needed to be the best uh, decision for the entire school, but also for that student. It was really important for us to create a pathway back to school for that student. And often that meant attending the alternative school to get some of that credit recovery. And they would also utilize the IDLA um, like flex cohort to be able to get those credits. Um, so they could get back on track. And alternative schools are also great for students who maybe do not thrive in a traditional public school, larger classroom setting, and they need those smaller environments. And so that's what's great about an alternative school. Okay, so now we're to options, well, these types, eight and nine, that I think are a little bit of a stretch. They're more of a way of looking at a school experience. So one of them is the community schools. And community schools are not so much a type of school, but more a designation of what a school is working to achieve. So a community school is a type of school that works in partnership with community members and businesses and nonprofits to meet the needs of the students and the families and to help support them in having this kind of very um, inclusive type of an environment. And I think there's a lot of states, uh, schools around Idaho who have a type of this where they're providing services and making sure different needs are met through community partnerships. But there is, schools can receive this type of distinction, and it is a way of leading a school and bringing partners together. That's why I say it's more of a, um, a, a designation rather than a type. But what's really cool is that in Idaho, this just happened, actually. The United Way Treasure Valley, they received a really amazing grant from the federal government. And I'm going to pause for a moment and take you back to about 2015-ish when the United Way Treasure Valley did a community needs assessment. They were trying to figure out what was the best way that they were going to be able to help their community. And so they went and they completed this needs assessment. And based on this needs assessment, it actually really focused on education. And we know that 25% of people spend their volunteering at schools. Schools are the heart of our community. And so that's when they learned about these community school options. Um, 
this designation, this type of program. So they went down to Utah and saw this program down there. They brought it back up here. And the Boise School District was the first school to, the first district to create a school to receive this designation. And now Idaho has 44 schools, uh, individual school buildings that have this type of designation of community schools. I'll include a link in the show notes so you can go find it and see what it's about. It is a great way to lead a school to create partnerships around the state. And this, now I'm back to this uh, this grant that the United Way Treasure Valley just received from the federal government. This is huge. This is going to really change the landscape of school communities around the state. The United Way Treasure Valley just received a $46 million grant. And it was awesome. The uh, someone from the, I think it was the Department of Education, I think the, sec- the Secretary of Education, is that what they're called? No, I can't remember. Again, blanking on too many things today. The They, re- they came here to present the award uh, to the United Way Treasure Valley. And I'm really excited to see what comes of that. I have invited the, um, the grant writer from the the local uh, United Way to come speak with me on the podcast. So I'm excited to share that information. I know that they are working through so many things right now in how to incorporate this grant into their organization and know how that this money can go out and really impact the schools and the communities and the kids throughout our state. So that's really exciting. I'm really excited about that. The last, uh, type here, this is a stretch again, are what are known as micro schools or mixed match learning or learning societies. And we're seeing these pop up where really it's this blended option. And it's a way of making it really work for you and your student. And these are where students gather together in small groups with adult supervision to learn, explore, and socialize. And I'm actually, there is a school here in Eagle that has, it's a school that's kind of focused on sports and they kind of do this micro learning a little bit where they've got this really small classroom experience and they've got like one or two teachers that come in and teach the subjects. And then they go out and they focus on athleticism for the second half of the day. It's a really interesting model. And so we're seeing this around a lot of homeschool families are doing this, maybe families who are wanting a variety for their kids, and maybe that traditional model isn't working for them. Um, There is the Empowering Parents Grant Program to help low-income families to be able to get materials and services for their students. And utilizing that Empowering Parents Grant program can help parents um, maybe do some of that mix and match learning that they would like. And again, this is a little bit more of a mindset than a school option. And this was actually something that my husband and I did with one of our kids uh, right after COVID. So the COVID year was really tough. She was in elementary school and she is a very kind of wants to be in that loving environment and see your face so you can smile at her and she can smile at you. And that really was not happening during COVID because we were all in mass and that was really hard. And she had some holes in her, um, in her learning that we noticed. And when I realized that, Hey, you know what? She's starting this next grade. 
this teacher is wonderful. The school is wonderful. And I love everything that they're trying to offer for her. And yes, other kids have, um, other kids are having challenges too. After really talking with my husband and talking with the principal and talking with my student, I realized that her being in school full-time was not the best option for her. And so we did a little bit of this mix and match learning where I pulled her out and we did some homeschooling and I um, had a tutor come in and help her. And we took her to another learning center for to just to help her fill some of those gaps. And really my purpose was to help her understand that it was about helping her know how she could navigate learning and where where she could improve as a learner so that she could so that she could um, really succeed in that classroom environment. And what's been great in that process is that it's really helped like me as a mom understand how it's not just I know that every single one of my kids are different, but it I think finally with this one child, it was kind of like this culmination of, yeah, and they all learn differently and they all have different needs and this is what she needs right now. And so now she's in middle school and she's having different experiences there. And because of this mix and match learning that we did for her during one of her elementary school years, uh, she was able to go back full time the next year to that traditional public school and really thrive in that environment because we had done that mix and match learning with her earlier. So, okay. Those, so those are the, those are the options and those are the different types of schools. So we've got the, the traditional public school, the public charter school, the public magnet school, the private learning school, the online virtual school, the homeschooling, the alternative school, the and then the two types that are more of a mindset or a distinction for the school. So that community school and then the mixed match learning. And the two takeaways that I have on the podcast today are one, Idaho does have a lot of options. And Idaho isn't the only state that has these options. These options are available to parents everywhere. And it's not just parents that want the options. Educators want the options too. They have choices as to where they want to work and how they want to work in their environments. And so I think that that's a great, that's a great um, value to understand is that we have choices. We're not stuck with something, but to note that 87% of our students in Idaho attend traditional public schools. And because that's such a huge number, and, and really whether it was such a big number or not, but because 87% of our students attend public traditional schools, it's important for us as community members to take care of our community kids. And regardless of what school they attend, we need to build up our school communities because the community, these schools are at the heart of our community. My second takeaway kind of circles back to what I started talking about at the beginning of the podcast, which was we cannot assume what 
that the option that we have our kids in is the best option for them right now, that things change for them and they have different experiences. And based on these experiences, they learn and they learn about themselves and they grow as individuals. And that's what we want. And so it's so important, I think, as our kids get older and they recognize maybe they have some different preferences in their learning that we invite them to the table and we have conversations with them so that we can understand what is going to best meet their needs because this is their learning experience. And as adults, we had our K-12 experience and, and beyond. And I think, you know, I really believe in fostering that lifelong learning that as communities, that's what we need and model that for our kids, but making sure we have those conversations so that we can help our students succeed because that's really, that's really what we want as community members. So thanks so much for joining me today on this great um, <laughs> this exploration of the different types of schools that we have. And as always, remember the power of community. And that's a wrap on today's episode of Our Kids, Our Schools. Your contributions are vital in this shared journey towards a thriving school community. So let's keep this conversation going on my Instagram page at the.alexis.morgan. Share your insights, suggestions, and experiences. Follow the podcast so you never miss empowering discussions and insightful resources. And always remember, keep learning, keep questioning, and together, let's make a difference.